quite a number of you know my son Toby, broad-shouldered, barrel-chested, plumber. He loves watching Bake Off. <laughs> loves it. So today, we've got a recipe. Now, making disciples isn't like baking a cake. When you open up your recipe book, you've got a list of ingredients. You know how to mix them. You know how hot and how long. And when it's finished, it's ready to eat. Disciples aren't like that. They're all half-baked. <laughs> In this world, disciples are never finished. It's an ongoing process. Disciples are never ready to eat. In this life, when we meet our Saviour, we reach a, a crucial tipping point. We know then that we have a relationship. We know we are loved. We have a relationship to work on. We have a purpose to our life. That relationship, that life, that journey together, that is discipleship. An ongoing condition, a process of formation, of transformation. So we can't really make disciples. We can encourage, we can influence. But actually, when God gets into the kitchen and rolls up his sleeves, he's cooking with the Holy Spirit. Better than gas. So ours is a bit part. We're not the main act. And actually, if we have a look at today's passage from Luke, the first one we heard, it tells us a lot about what we can do. So I've got a list of questions that I put together for myself as I read through this. So the first one, can we have? This is a recipe that everybody can do. And that means you. And it means me. It means everybody. A few chapters earlier in Luke, Jesus sends out the twelve. Now that's a pretty select band, isn't it? We read about them. But here, he's drawing together his wider group of disciples, all those who follow him, and he's sending them out. That's 70 or 72, depending on which translation you look at has some echoes in the Old Testament. The elders that Moses appointed to help him. The number of members of the Sanhedrin. The Jews' ruling council. The number of nations in the world. This is everybody. This is everybody. Jesus isn't sending out that select band of the elite. He is sending out everyone. Next. Where to? Where am I being sent? My daughter Kate went to China. Where am I being sent? 
Well, Jesus sent out these 70 or 72 to the towns and the villages he was going to visit. The passage doesn't say so, but if you read the context in the chapters before, it looks as though they're probably in Samaria, Samaritan country. They're not in the Jewish heartland. They're not in Judea. They're not in Galilee. They might not be very well received. So, they're going where there might be antipathy. And we do too. Lambs amongst wolves. But the passage makes it clear that we're going anywhere and everywhere. Anywhere where Jesus might follow. And that is everywhere. And it's worth remembering that sometimes telling our next door neighbour the good news is harder than telling somebody at the other side of the world. Your next door neighbour's still there tomorrow and the day after and the day after. Next. What do I have to do? Well, we've actually got quite a good list in that passage from Luke if we unpack them. <coughs> the first bit there, but it perhaps doesn't strike you immediately. Ask the Lord to send workers, for the harvest is great and the workers are few. Ask the Lord. Pray. Any spiritual battle will not be won without prayer. And this is just what that is. Our own prayer and that of others. So we start in prayer and we continue in prayer. Secondly, we are being sent ahead. We're preparing the way. We are not the main act. We're just the warm-up comedian. So what will the main act be when Jesus comes? Well, the Holy Spirit is what brings us to Jesus, what introduces us, what keeps us meeting. It is him, his person. He is, if you like, the go-between, the marriage arranger. Thirdly, it's tempting to disperse our energies into everything that we can do. But Jesus says here, do not dally with unnecessary conversations along the way. I'm sending you to that village there. Don't spend your time doing all the other things. Jesus calls us. He calls us where we have gifts and he equips us. He doesn't want us to waste those and our energies. So don't try and do 55 other things. Do the thing he's called you to do. Fourthly, you've got to do something. Act. Luke often uses a little piece of a, an idea to represent the whole. So he'll often talk about peace when he means salvation, of which peace is a small part. So when here Jesus says, heal the sick, 
Don't think you stop at that. That's just one thing you can do. There are heaps of others. Whatever is within your gift to do, you can do. Don't feel, however, that that means you can skip the healing the sick bit. Jesus said, I do what I see my father doing. So if God or the Holy Spirit prompts you to lay on hands and to pray for somebody who is sick, then that is what he is doing. And you should jolly well join in. Another part of that, I think, in thinking about the things that we do. A little while ago, there was a a movement to encourage people to perform random acts of kindness. You know, kindness is a vastly underrated virtue. Really is. So you try to do small acts of kindness, maybe for people you don't know, maybe for people you'll never see again, but a few every day is a huge difference and a big, big witness. Fifthly, not just in deed, but also in word. Tell them the kingdom is near. It's not around the corner, it's near. That suggests that we are to use our voices. We have much to say. Every one of us has a story to tell. Every one of us. And that story will resonate uniquely with one person or maybe with lots of people. If you don't tell your story, no one else can. And if it uniquely resonates with someone, you don't tell it, they ain't going to hear it. We were encouraged on our DTS to try and tell an important story, maybe the important story in our lives, in one minute. Now, if you prepare sermons, you've probably got quite a good idea of how many words that is. I can tell you, for me, it's about a hundred. Six, seven, eight sentences, maybe. Quite short ones. One minute. I'm going to stop you now for a minute while you think about what you would say in a minute. Here we go. Did that feel like a long time? That was a minute. How much can you say in a minute? 
I met Jesus when I was 45. He caught me by surprise. I kept thinking I would meet him and kept on not meeting him. But he changed my life. He made me content with who I am, known, knowing that I'm loved and I'm worth something. Gave me a sense of purpose and contentment. What a wonderful mixture. And he keeps doing it every day. That was probably only 30 seconds. We all have a story to tell. Learn to tell it in one minute. Maybe you've got more than one story, so you might have to take another minute, but I'm sure you can. Okay, so there's our five things. Pray, remember we're not the main act, focus, do and say. Next. Do I have to tell everybody? This could make for a very busy day, spending one minute telling everybody I meet. Well, I think we know that already. The disciples were sent to a particular place, to a particular household. And if the household welcomed them, they stayed. If it didn't, they moved on. If the village welcomed them, they stayed. If the village didn't welcome them, they shook the dust from their feet and off they went. Jesus doesn't call us to knock ourselves out <clears throat> trying to bring the good news to somebody who really is not interested. He's got plenty of people who are interested lined up for you. Don't knock yourself out. Don't feel dismayed. Don't feel put off because one person isn't open to what you have to say. Next. A young man I know, Jeff Gilly, some years ago, went off to do his Duke of Edinburgh Gold Award. I couldn't even lift his rucksack. He had so much stuff. But Jesus said, Go out, no purse, no bag, no sandals. Oh. The important stuff is not stuff. It's you. It's you. Marshall McLuhan wrote in the 60s and 70s about media, the guru, the intellectual guru of media, and foresaw today's media coverage and social media 50 years ago. And he wrote a book <coughs> called Jocularly, the medium is the massage, the message. But just a little hint that you might be getting manipulated. The medium is the message. And if it's you that's going out, then you are the medium for the message. When we did our DTS, we had teaching from a wonderful New Zealander called Ross Tooley. And I look back in my notes this week on his week's teaching on evangelism, and on one page I've got one phrase with a big red circle around it, 
And it says, have a message and be one. Have a message and be one. Carl Buhner said, they may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. How we relate to other people is an important part of our witness. It's no accident that Jesus sent them out in twos. Two people to support each other, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to compliment each other and with each other to model Christian relationships. That in itself is part of the good news. Some years ago, a young man, part of one of my reader training groups, asked, how do I start to witness? I'd really like to do it, but but I just feel so awkward. Very serious, earnest young man. And I remembered in Perth, 10 years ago, going on my DTS to get that an ID card that you had to get if you were going to work with children. And you had to have a photograph on it. So I went along and I sat for the flash and they gave me the card and I looked at it and I thought, oh no, nobody's going to let me anywhere near children. You know, look like a criminal. I was really quite, quite set back. And one of the, uh, one of the women on the, on the course who was, you know, picking up our card I said, and looked at me and said, why didn't you smile? You've got a lovely smile. And I thought, oh yes. So, I decided I didn't like how I looked when I didn't smile. So I started smiling. It's brilliant, you know. It is brilliant. You smile, people smile back. You feel good. You feel encouraged. You feel at home. So now you can click into your one minute without any problems. So I said to that young man, that serious young man, I said, start with a smile. You'll be amazed how many situations are eased with a smile, how many problems are dissipated by a smile, how many friendships begin with a smile. They may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Let's have the last. So here we go. Things to pick out. Three things, I think. You have a story to tell. Practice. Learn to tell it in one minute. Don't forget random acts of kindness. They're easy. You can do them all the time. And they make a difference. And they are a witness. And lastly... Smile. If the good news doesn't put a smile on your face, it ain't good news. Smile.